I know that's difficult for you to start talking. Yeah. But now you disappear. Now you're back. So, so there you are. Said only when somebody's talking, they appear? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Good morning again. So, welcome to Gripping Reality. Number 14. Is this 14 or 15? No, it's 14. Two times seven. Two is a wonderful number because you have two hands. Seven, number of fingers you have. No, that doesn't. Well, 14 is a good number. Seven's a perfect number. <laughs> we'll go with that. Well, seven is odd. No, what I mean is it's not even. It's odd. <laughs> it's a perfect number. Doesn't it have is. a prime root. It's so, prime. so today's topic. Did, did we plan? Do we have a plan? No, see, that's the whole point. That is the point of today's topic. We do not have a plan. And we don't have a director or a producer or anyone who's in control of what's going on here. Which is really scary because that leaves us. And that's probably not a good idea. But that's okay because when you're trying to figure out reality, we'll just leave that alone too. So. Great. But so in reality, we're... in reality, yes. sometimes chaos happens. It does. That's our topic for today. It is. And boy, have we, do we have a lot of chaos that's happening in our world. And people, do we really have chaos in the world? It really depends upon two factors and they are one of them this is essential now we fool around a lot and we talk about crazy stuff but if you're going to take notes or change your life from this point forward either one of those this is what you want to learn out of this lesson the definition of chaos there are two essential qualities that make an event chaos when you experience it the first of those two is that it is unpredictable. You cannot tell what's coming next. There's no way to understand or lay out a plan because you're in the midst of chaos. But that's only one part of the factor. Second factor? Uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. You what do cannot, you mean by that? You cannot, you cannot control what's going on. So... Or the person facing it can't, can't control, control what's exactly. happening. Somebody can. There may be somebody who can predict or knows the steps of what's happening. There may be somebody who can control it. But when you're an event and you can't predict <laughs> what's going to happen and you can't control what's going to happen, those two factors are essential. When they line up, you call that chaos, and that's right. where a huge amount of stress comes from in today's world. Right. So let's talk about, uh, we're going to share some story today, a little storyline for us, give you a little insight into East Coast and West Coast, Mike. Um, because we're taking these apart. I'm going to take the uncontrollable part, and Mike's going to take the un East Coast, going to take the unpredictable part, and then we'll talk about how in the world do you deal with that in reality in the context of what we have been 
teaching and writing, which is our why do people act that way? So really the, the two diagnostic questions that we continue to ask is what is this doing to you and what are you going to do about it? So we will answer those questions, those diagnostic questions through the issue of chaos. What do you do with all this? So let's talk about. Uh, so before we jump on. off yeah. into the anecdotes. Yeah. Keep in mind that those two questions, we're not going to come up with questions three, four, five, eight, thirty, exactly. fifty. We're not going to load you with so much stuff you can never deal with it. We're going to keep coming back to those key questions. What is this event doing to you? We're going to call it today the chaotic event. There's chaos right. going on, not predictable, not controllable. You're overwhelmed. You find it extremely stressful. It may be that you just go blank. It may be that you're getting angry. It may be that you're scared to death. It may be that you're having warm fuzzies. I mean, I have no idea. But right. the issue is you're facing an event. We're calling that event chaos. You can't predict that event and you can't control the event, at least as far as you're, you are concerned. So now you're in the midst of chaos. Two key questions we're going to keep asking. What is this event doing to you? What does the chaos do to you? What does its unpredictability do to you? What does its uncontrollability do to you? What do those things do to you? And what can you do with it? What will you yeah. do with it? Right. So, so we're going to get into that. <laughs> so keep those two questions right up in the front of your mind. Put them on a little post-it note or something. What's this doing to me? What can I do about it? Those become the critical questions to getting your feet on the ground and moving through any event, no matter how difficult or how easy, whether you've met it before or you've never seen this kind of thing before. Um, in any case, what's it doing to you? What are you going to do about it? So grab your cup of coffee because we're going to have a little fireside chat. There you go. So in uh, 2005, uh, the fall of 2005, my wife uh, of 20 years, 20 some years, uh, started a feeling. Name. Rini. Her name is Rini. A real and person. yeah, she's a real person. Uh, we had, we have five kids. I still have five kids, but at the time we had five kids. We had uh, my oldest at that time was a junior in high school and. So seven years difference from the bottom to the top. So you figure out the math of where they kind of were. Uh, and um, she wasn't, she, she was always very, very healthy and she was not overweight. No, nothing that was even close to being uh, a medical issue in her life. And then in uh, July, actually of five, she had some discomfort. And then later on, she stopped, started feeling worse. And, she went in and uh, had an exam and everything was good, <clears throat> but it kept progressing. Well, fast forward, uh, we get to December and she's really feeling poorly, um, having struggles. Um, and I, she didn't want to go back in because she just thought it was, you know, stomach ache, whatever. And I finally said, no, you're going in. So January, January 20, so I think it was around January Something, 20th. Like, yeah, I can't remember. But we, uh, I'm at work. She goes in for a, an exam. I get a phone call and said, you have to come to the clinic right now. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
you know, she just went in to have an exam. So I get in there, and of course, then they take you into the little room, which being a pastor over 20, almost 25 years, I knew what that meant. You know, that this was probably not good news um, that you were going to be real ecstatic about. And uh, lo and behold... Uh, and you still didn't have any idea that chaos was coming? No idea that chaos was coming. No idea. You know, everything was chunking along, kids at school, uh, organization. I mean, just, you know, rhythm, routine, we were good. Uh, and, and I'm a pretty big change agent myself that, you know, I kind of flow with life uh, in, in many ways, as you can probably tell. But uh, we sit down and uh, Dr. Smith says to us, uh, I, I hate to inform you, but and Reedy was in tears, and I'm like, what's going on? And he puts up the pictures, and she had stage four colorectal cancer. Um, so I am, like, stunned, um, not even knowing what to process. And all of a sudden, uh, chaos has just entered my life. But at that point, I didn't know it. Um, so we left there, went home, toughest time probably in my life was sitting around the dinner table, which was the norm for us, and informing uh, my five kids that your mom has, uh, you know, stage four colorectal cancer. <clears throat> and this is the path now we are going to follow, uh, you know, treatment, da 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 and so on and so on. And, but we didn't ever, to be honest, the, we talk about raising successful children. We never withheld stuff from our kids that was the kind of thing they had to know. We put it in their language and we timed it correctly. But in this situation, we were very upfront, you know, that it, at the, the stage that she had, you know, um, 20 to 80 percent, 20 percent recovery, 80 percent not. Um, those numbers, you know, were just crashing around in my head. So after that, of course, then you ensue into all the medical world and what's going on. And we were real fortunate. Uh, but the reality of it was is that this was totally uncontrollable. Chaos hit my life, it hit my kids' lives, it hit probably the least person affected was Rini because she actually Why? had some, because she still had a modicum of control of being able to go through process. She knew what she had to do, she knew what she, you know, she knew that she did this appointment, did this kind of thing, did, I mean, it was all scheduled out for her. So from a chaos standpoint in her own life going forward, um, it, it really was a lot simpler for her. We were all the ones that were spectating and dealing with this whole, you know, now this whole total in, intrusion, not only of, of this uncontrollable event, but our own emotions. And we're a very, we're a very tight part of a, a church large church. We had, now we had all these people involved in our lives. Uh, I mean, it was multiplicity of uncontrolledness, if you will. <laughs> uh, and so that dynamic then 
So, so adding, let me ask you a question. So in the middle of the process, there are family members, not from the seven of you, but family members or friends from the church or coworkers who want to step into your situation. You can't control them, even though they're trying to be helpful. Does that add to the chaos? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look, if you see it from the context of just no control, um, you have control at the level of being able to say yes and no. But what most people don't, I think, realize that happens when you have a major event like this that is so primary in your life and it is uncontrollable, there is literally nothing you can do outside of the norm of, you know, but you can't just reach in and pull out this cancer. You can't make it go away. Uh, well, at that point, you don't know that you can't do that. But when it first hits, the feeling that you're in chaos is I cannot do anything right now. Exactly. So, uh, let me jump to your five kids. You have an 11th grader and a fourth grader and three other kids in the middle. Right. So is are there like the adolescent children may have some skills, but they also may be pretty philosophical. And the for, the fourth grader may be very, very concrete and not really have the equipment yet to really understand what do I do about this? So one or more than one child may have a different sense of chaos than other children. They're not all in the same place. No, and the other thing that you, and you know this, uh, but the reality of my family is that, <coughs> excuse me, the uniqueness of the person themselves, my kids are very, they're very, very unique. Um, they can't be very it, unique, they just are unique. They are unique, right. You cannot so augment unique. Just a grammar <laughs> lesson. Come on, we got to have something. Oh, that, stop with the grammar. Stop. You, stop. I'll, I'll drink coffee. You talk. I'll drink coffee. Thank Go you. Ahead. I appreciate grammar. Your kids are unique, okay. not very unique. You know, grammarly, thank you. So <clears throat> from that standpoint, they process very differently. So that added to the chaos in my mind to some degree because now I have to figure out how to navigate these five individuals that are processing chaos in their own way and not knowing what to do with that and somehow helping them to navigate that kind of, of emotional chaos in their life, which was really fascinating. So you have, I mean, you have options. You can just totally go numb and not do anything. Uh, and all those kinds of things, but the, but that was not an option. So for Rini and I particularly, we did this together. And so she understood that there was this whole idea of the uncontrollable happening and bringing, trying to bring some semblance of what can we do to control this today, not next week. Not so there were, there were times when Rini would be the rock and you would be in chaos in the middle of the storm because there's something in your perception that you cannot control in that moment right. for that night right. for that week. Correct. And so, so you could be but, in different places in the yeah, same event. Exactly. And so here we are. 
with this uncontrollable event. And the same kind of dynamic was happening with people that were not just our family, but lots of friends who were coming in. Um, she was she was an incredible lady. And she would be that many, many times to people where they came in feeling chaos because of their emotions of an uncontrollable event that they couldn't do anything about. And she would be the one that would help them reestablish a sense of what you can do about this today, what you can do about controlling that, which is in part and parcel of what we'll talk about a little bit more later on, of how do you deal with an uncontrollable event. So, so the nature of the, let's stay right to the chaos itself. The, sure. the progression of her cancer was not controllable. You had, you tried different things medically, right. spiritually, emotionally, right. in terms of, uh, you know, is this linked to the mind? Is it, is it just part of what I ate? Do right. I live near a radioactive plant? I mean, you know, what do we do right. to control the progress of cancer? Studying, reading everything, but nothing stopped it. So right. over well, how long of a time period? This went on for 18, 19 months, almost two years. Less than uh, two years. Fight. Yeah, less than two years. The fight went on. But what's interesting in that, you know, what you say, it was worse than that. Because what took place within that time frame of, of you know, 20 months, somewhere in there, she passed in September. Uh, so we were about four months out from when it was diagnosed, roughly. Um, is that we had moments where we had time frames where it, it stopped. And okay. we, we felt that, you know, doctors were saying, this is good. It's not doing anything. It's, you know, we've, we're, and they were even using remission, words like it's remission. Right. They were using words like that in this time frame. So here you are, chaos, right? Now we're back to some semblance of control, which you've that sense. And then all of a sudden someone throws a switch and we're back. And now we're worse than we were before. That happened like I think twice. So you know, even the nature of chaos itself is chaotic in that right. you try to control the chaos and all of a sudden something that you really want is happening and then it's suddenly taken away, but you don't know when that's going to be taken away. Exactly. So that right. comes the other side of yours, which is unpredictable. So that sense of loss of control. Uh, and I guess where I would say in, uh, you know, to lead into some of our other discussion about how, how do you pull this back is, and this sounds counterintuitive, and we'll explain that later on, but when you realize in the scope of things in life, you don't really have control, but you have control. And in that dynamic... Well, that's not is, counterintuitive. That's just idiotic. You don't have control, but you have control. Okay, we cannot control. go on until you explain that. <laughs> you, you don't have control... You know, you're wearing something blue. It's not blue. What? That doesn't make no sense whatsoever. Oh, it makes perfect sense. If you okay. All why. right. So enlightened. So, and everybody yeah. else happens to be watching this. <laughs> when I say you have, you don't have control, when you look at the scope of life, the right. reality is this kind of thing could happen to you that fast. You could right. be walking across the street and get hit by a bus and, you know, be 
be, end up in the hospital, whatever, you do not have in the scope of life, you don't have control. But you do have control from the standpoint of you can look at what's happening and bring some semblance of, if you will, organization to it, some semblance of routine to it, some semblance of what I would say, not semblance, but decision that this is what we are going to do here. But instead of letting it be totally out of control. So it's the big picture built within the little picture that says, yes, you do. But in the scope of life, you don't. The question is, what's it doing to you? And what do you do about it? All right. So when you're you're kind of dismantling the perception of reality to a degree, you're 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 looking at the external, Correct. which you cannot control all the external factors. Correct. What you're saying is you can control your internal response to that. Exactly. What if you've never had any training or you have no skill to control how you respond? Is that part of what we're going to get into? Is learning how to have an internal control of your response? We're going to teach you how to do that. Yeah. And and it's not rocket science. It is not sense of where this is really complex. Uh, We want to give you those tools as we work through this. But understanding the dynamic of what happens in life, chaos has those two pieces to it. it has the unpredictable, it has the uncontrollable. I so had no the reason why we're talking about this today is because when we come into these podcasts and start teaching, we're not talking about, you know, that I was in chaos because I lost $20. And I don't know what to do when I lost $20 or make it a bill bigger. I lost my wallet and everything was chaos. I, you know, my entire world turned upside down. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about the death of a spouse after decades of marriage, five kids woven into huge communities together, definition, family in every direction. And all of a sudden cancer, which cannot be controlled, it actually resulted in not being able to be controlled. Added in, whether you're a person of faith or not, is irrelevant. For Mike, it was in the context of a believing community that said, hey, we're going to pray about this, and God is in control, and when we all pray, then Rini's going to be better. She's going to get over this, and don't be afraid, and quote all the verses. So we're not talking about the spiritual realities of those things. We're talking about what is it doing to me And what do I do with it? And you're surrounded by a community of people that say, we're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to do all these kinds of activities. And that's going to have the effect that we want. We're in control of this. And then you find out that's not true. You don't have control. That's right. And so, which then leads us back to the second part of this is the unpredictable, which We'll let you take, but that whole dynamic was we had no way of predicting any of these outcomes. Right. Uh, because there was no control. It was out of control. It right. was chaos. So the nature of chaos in your family, in your journey, personally as a human being, in Rini's 
journey as a human being. Rini's parents, her children, her siblings, her very, very close friends, her kinds of associates, all those people are thrown <laughs> into the aspect of chaos that I can't control this. And so you'll find in the midst of chaos, you yourself or others will say, I know how to control this. I will I will pray. I'm going to walk every day and, and give you strength. I'm going to write you notes every day. I'm going to... You'll have people who say, I'm going to think positive thoughts. I know how to control this. Okay. So Mike talked about one aspect. The other essential aspect, meaning chaos has an essence. And there are two factors that both have to be present, or it's not what we call chaos. You might right. have a different definition. I'm okay with that. But what we're doing is saying chaos and the stress that it causes the discomfort, the be feeling of being overwhelmed has two factors. One is it's not controllable. The other is it's not predictable. So when you're driving along, I live in an area where there's a lot of snow and ice. And sometimes when cars have driven over the snow, it packs down to ice and then it gets real smooth, glassy smooth, and has the same color as the asphalt underneath. So it's called black ice because you can't see it. It looks just like the road. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, without, especially when you're a, a novice driver, you really don't understand driving in snow and ice. All of a sudden, the car starts spinning either to the left or right, and your brain is going, wait a minute. The front of the road is supposed to be here, but the front of the road is that way. How did What's happening? You have no way of... When you're, when you're a novice at driving, skidding on ice is terrifying because you can't predict you had no way of knowing right. now once you've driven up here for a few years or a few decades or a lifetime you're out there you still can't see the black ice but your brain knows that could happen and if you've ever skidded around or done a donut or you know got lost right. your vehicle in mud you know you can predict if I turn the wheel to the into the spin, then I know I'm going to correct where I am. So it's not unpredictable. It may be surprising, right. but it's not unpredictable. Right. Now, Mike and I have been in charge of events for other people. I like to chart out my life. I like to know a lot of factors. I like to have an awareness of everything that's going on in the nature of the day. So Mike's laughing at me. But I actually can predict the future and I can control the future. So I never, I'm never in chaos. Now, when you're doing an event for reasonably mature adults, you never have chaos. Adults always follow the rules yeah. and they oh, yeah. line up for Absolutely. dinner uh, and right behind each other. But yeah. when, when you're dealing with children, you can punish them. You can send them home. You can give them a dirty stare and, and glare at them, and they'll just line right up and become angels. But Mike and I specialized in youth ministry, adolescent stuff, people between the age of 12 and 20 or 19 or whatever. And, and the reality of teenagers is the very word evokes <laughs> chaos 
in everyone's mind, even in their own mind. They exactly. are unpredictable, <laughs> uncontrollable. So in 1997, we were running an event for a denomination we were in that was called International Youth Conference. It was in Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. And Fort Collins on the plains, not up in the mountains, down on the plains. And uh, it's a beautiful area. It's quite arid, especially in the summertime. Our event was being run in August. Uh, and and so it was, a, or July, end of July. And it was a dry time of the year. It's not when they have a lot of snow. It's not when they have a lot of rain. Uh, very predictable weather. We were running the event from a Sunday afternoon through a Friday morning. So it was that time period. And on Sunday, it was not unusual to have storm clouds. They kind of come every afternoon when the air has risen in the mountains and it starts cooling off and comes back down. They form rain clouds. You get thunder, lightning. So we had a plan for thunder, lightning, and for rainstorms, you know, that kind of thing. We knew the history of Fort Collins. We uh, had mapped out emergency plans. We knew what would happen if a building caught on fire or or some kind of tragedy were to occur. Uh, we had we had working plans for just about every possible scenario except one. <laughs> it started yeah. raining in the mountains on Sunday morning, and not where we were. It was still kind of gray and and uh, uh, dry. And it rained, and it rained, and unknown to us, known to the weather service people, but not to us because we're watching 4,000 right. teenagers in a youth event. Um, it started raining and rained more and more and more and more up in the mountains. And the rain, because of the nature of mountains and gravity, the water slides down the mountains, gets into the middle, and starts becoming creeks. The creeks join together. And they have a plan, which is to make a river. And the river starts coming down faster and faster and larger and larger. And that also has a plan. And the plan of all that water was to go into the original Poudre River, Powder River bank, which is exactly where they had built Colorado State University, in the middle of the original river of the Poudre River. They had diverted it so that it would go around campus safely under bridges, through culverts, all this kind of stuff, and then out towards the Mississippi River, wherever it goes. Fine. Well, that's a great plan. The problem is that works with a few hundred million gallons, but when you get a few billion gallons that all comes at the same time, the water is going to go where it wants to go. And on Monday... We were getting doing our evening event. It was raining on, on the campus, raining hard, but we could deal with it. All the roads are crowned. We have a plan. Nothing's out of control. Nothing's unpredictable. Raining hard. We have 4,000 teenagers, and we do not want to release them from the evening program. We have them all in Moby Arena, and, and everyone's listening to the music, and we had a comedian, and we had a speaker, and that, all that's going on. So my team, I'm in charge of the event. Mike is one of our executive people. We have a whole team of folks that are very well seasoned and, and novices so we can keep the generations going. And we're going outside and our security people said the culverts on the sides of the road have water rushing in them. Teenagers and rushing water. What's predictable about that? Body surfing. 
we knew there's guys, maybe some girls, that are going to jump in that water and go for a ride because it's moving along real fast. So let's not let anybody out right. until this water is controlled. Great predictability. We have it all in hand. We know what we're doing. We've done this before. We have 4,000 teenagers. Everybody's unpredictable. We have no idea what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, the electricity goes off. And we're scanning and monitoring the situation outside. A wall of water six feet deep came through the original Poudre River uh, riverbed, which is right in the middle of campus, six feet deep. And in seconds, everything on that campus was changed for decades to come. Right. The water had so much power, it derailed a train that had mostly boxcars, but some chemical tanks on it. That was something unpredictable and uncontrollable. It knocked over a fire truck that was out monitoring uh, the roadways for traffic. It went into a mobile home park and disrupted the placements of 75 or 80 trailers, uh, smashing them all up against a culvert at the end of that that area. It went through the building that the campus police and emergency dispatch was in and ruined all of their equipment. It went through the main student union and through the library, destroyed, breaking through the windows, destroying every uh, <coughs> that was below ground level, D dumpsters, cars, Everything went sweeping down, and we're in Moby Arena, and we see the water coming up the sidewalk a foot at a time, getting closer and closer and closer to where we are. If that water breached the threshold of the doorways, we were going to have billions of gallons that were going to come into Moby Arena where we had 4,000 teenagers in the dark waiting for the lights to come back on. Right. And and so that we could deal with them safely. That is unpredictable. Correct. We had, we had a fire plan. We had a storm plan. We had a tornado plan. We had a, a uh, violent incident plan. We had a pandemic illness plan. We had all kinds of plans. We did not imagine a flood. They called it right. a water event where six feet of water came smashing through campus with zero warning. Right. That is chaos. And we were responsible. The kids in the arena had no idea what was happening until we went in with a megaphone and kind of announced a little bit what was going on. But from our perspective as a team and on my shoulders as a leader was this absolutely unpredictable event and moment by moment by moment we had no idea what was going to happen next. Right. So right. when we teach about chaos and how to deal with chaos, we are not talking about trifling things like I was on my way to an appointment and got a flat tire. It does happen, right. but that's not chaos. When you're responsible for 4,000 teenagers who are anywhere from 150 miles from home to 2,000 miles from home, and you're running an event that's a $3 million event on somebody else's campus. And all of a sudden, something like that happens. 
you, we found ourselves in the middle of chaos. So, so that's when, what we're talking about. So when this happened, and if you can recollect back, and we're standing outside, we know that there's an issue before the flash flood came through the place. What were you thinking and what were you feeling at the time uh, when all of a sudden we went from this water that was just kind of there, you know, the, that was somewhat flooded. We could see the fields because the athletic fields are outside of Moby. We could see the fields that had some standing water. And we went from that to all of a sudden this wall of water that came flying through there. We could see it. What was going on in your head as you faced this unpredictable thing that all of a sudden it's boom? Where did that take you? In the exact moment, we're talking really a few seconds, and I'll explain right. why this really has to do with the solution of dealing with chaos. But in the seeing the water... Uh, and and objects floating in the water that I did not know. And I know quite a bit about the Rocky Mountains, so I knew there could be wild animals, there could be snakes, uh, they're going to they're gonna be in the ground, they're going to come up in the water. I don't know, I know there's a lot of poisonous snakes, there's a lot of chemicals, there's uh, oil and gas and vehicles, all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm aware that what I don't know is extremely important but I have no way of knowing it. So right. the in the moment, the the startle, the my mind racing, everything starting to spin begins to occur. And <coughs> in, really, we're talking a few minutes. <clears throat> the the chaos is occurring, and one of my staff members comes up to me and says, "The flood is all across campus." The electric is completely shut off. We have 4,000 kids in the arena. Do we send them back to their dorms right now? Or do we keep them in Moby Arena? We need a decision. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I also remember you looking at me and me looking at you and looking at the other person and going, are you out of your mind? <laughs> well, and the, the, the challenge is... In the moment of chaos, when you're the leader, you're the one who's actually in charge, that is not a luxury. Because right. asking a rhetorical question then says, I really have no idea yeah. of what to do. So, well, so we're in the be. middle of chaos. And actually, for me, personally, <clears throat> that lasted maybe two or three minutes. Now, when I have 4,000 lives on the line, two or three minutes is pretty close to eternity. Right. So it's not that it's I'm not blowing off the midst of chaos, but we want to tell you how to deal with chaos as opposed to have you have some kind of sympathetic reaction that, oh, my goodness, his wife died. Oh, my goodness, there were 4000 kids in danger. <clears throat> it's not about eliciting uh, sympathy or, from you. It is we're talking about real chaos here. Right. I mean, really important stuff. Right. That it matters what happens and what it does to you and what you do with it. It really does matter if you can manage chaos and your part in it or you cannot. And it takes you away 
and there's a an outcome that did not need to happen if you had been prepared differently or equipped differently. That's what we're doing with this podcast. All right. So let's go there because let's stay with you because there's a couple of dynamics that happened in this uh, whole situation. But let's start from uh, let's start from the, the, the point of view of how you began to, in your own mind, how you began to deal with this unpredictable event. And then let's push it out just a little bit to what in, in very real sense, uh, the people you had around you, how that ended up uh, making the difference and helping bring getting chaos into a place of reality that it wasn't way out here somewhere that I was losing basically control of everything because it was so unpredictable. So let's, let's go there. So what was the piece that happened in that, in your mind, that helped you start functioning at a level, not 20 minutes later, not two days later, because you didn't have 20 minutes. You had now, okay, this is an event. We're seeing it continue to develop. What is it? What did you do? What, what went on inside of you to bring, to bring some sense of uh, predictability, because that's the converse of this, from unpredictable to predictable, what did you do to be able to start bringing predictable predictability to it as well as, and we'll talk about how we brought some control to that in, the, in this setting? That's a great question. And the, the nature of the answer is, is in the split second of the moment, but also what had happened for months and years in advance, okay? The challenge in this is, is you prepare yourself for chaos by the decisions that you make way in advance of the moment of chaos, which you can't predict and you can't control. So in the moment, flood water is going around, snakes, poisons, sewage, objects are floating, it's all racing by. Um, we are we we are in the middle of an incredibly dangerous moment. Okay. I can't control the water. I can't control the rain. I can't get lifeboats there. I can't suddenly magically come up with a flood plan in the moment. So the chaos is going to win. What we had done, and for me as a leader, I never had a, a tried to attain a single apex of leadership. I always lead with a team. Right. And I always lead with a team of men and women who are younger, older, seasoned, immature, a team of human beings that I trust. I've tested them. I do this intentionally. I test them out. I, I watch what happens. And the people who are closest to my situation were the people that I trusted the most. Not because they knew the most or they were taller than anybody else or had been in youth ministry or leadership longer than anybody else. I trusted that they made smart decisions, but they always had my back. 
always that right. never that was an un a non-negotiable right. not that i was like the king of youth ministry it is that was our relationship right. so when we were in the middle of the flooding environment we knew we had in our back pocket we can get everybody off the floor and get them up into the upper seats and there's no way that water can get up at 12, 14, 16 rows off the floor. Everything on the floor is going to be ruined. It's all the speakers that if the water comes in, it's going to ruin all the stuff. But we could simply say to students, get out of the first four, four, five, eight, ten rows and go up into the upper rows of the arena. So we knew, absolutely knew, we can keep them safe from the water. Right. So that's exactly. that was critical. And we had that plan for a fire or uh, a, a violent person or we had a backup plan. Now, in the moment when my mind is swirling, water is everywhere. What is going to happen? How long is this going to last? I couldn't answer any of those questions. So I brought in the four. I think there were five of us that were the people that I trusted the most. And we gathered the five of us together. There were six then with me. And we it's in the dark. We're all the flashlights. We're all holding the flashlights under our face like we're zombies. And it's a in my mind, it's a very it's completely dark. There's no lights on at all. Right. <laughs> so I had wrapped around me five people that I absolutely trusted in every way. And I said. The question has come to us in the middle of the flood, everything shut down. Do we release students to their dorms or do we send them here? Does anybody have an insightful opinion about what we do next? And everyone said, we don't know. And I said, if I make the decision, are all of you behind me 100%? And they said, absolutely. To an individual, there were two women and four men. Absolutely, yes. I said, everyone stays here. If we have to stay all night, we're going to keep 4,000 uh, hormonally intense young people in the dark, boyfriends and girlfriends, everybody who's just met somebody from another coast that they fell in love with. We're going to keep them in the dark all night long if we have to. We're going to release them only when it's safe. Do we have a way of knowing when it's safe? And my head of security guy was a fireman in his real life. He had a huge pickup truck with gigantic wheels. He said, I will tell you when it's safe. I didn't need to know anymore. Now, in the chaos, I have a man who knows how to do this, and he's going to tell me when it's safe. My mind went to rest on that. Another person said, I have the medical station I will tell you exactly what I need and when I need it. Right. My mind for medical needs went completely to rest. Not because I knew every medical situation, but I knew the person who is in charge of it. Right. So for right. my mind, now I have two major aspects that someone has at least a little control over. Because I knew them. It was not that I knew the situation. I knew the person. Right. So now my mind could let the chaos decline, settle, 
I can't predict the environment, but I can predict the people that I'm working with. Right, right. And therefore, my mind could start thinking of solutions, options. It was when we were in the moment of chaos, literally, this is what happens. Chaos occurring, it's unpredictable, uncontrollable, and you're spinning around on your vehicle on black ice, you can't think. You can't get, what should I do next? You have no idea. That's an outcome of chaos. So if you have around you one, two, three people, not a million, not a hundred, not, not 20, two or three people, absolutely you trust. It might be your spouse, but it might not. It might be your parent or family member, but it might not. Absolutely you trust them. In the moment, you say, pull in here. Do you have my back? Can you tell me anything I can hold on to? And when they say, you can hold on to this, you believe them. And now your brain can settle down and you can start thinking of what are my optional steps. That solves that issue of being unpredictable. The situation is still unpredictable, but the people that I trust are predictable. And so I've introduced into chaos, which has two factors, unpredictable and uncontrollable, a predictable factor. That changes everything. Now, the other side. The other side is that the controllable side, the uncontrollable to controllable. And uh, it's the same, it's the same principle that Mike talked about of that having people that you trust that come into your life and you say, well, I don't have anybody like that. I mean, you probably do. You just haven't figured out who that is. Uh, and that dynamic of helping you see that and begin to think through, and you probably have never even thought in those, in that vein, of who is it I really can trust that can help me see where I can begin to get control? One thing, not two, not ten, one thing in this chaos of my life. The example and if you can me, introduce something that is controllable, Right. In the midst of an uncontrollable circumstance, that allows you to settle just a bit. Right. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And so let me tell you what happened in my situation here with Rini. Life was, here I am. I already, I already did cooking in our family. But now I'm responsible not only for cooking, but for taking care of the medical needs of my wife. Plus taking care of pretty much, you know, you know, 60 to 70% of the parenting because she physically can't do it. Uh, all the routine, keeping the house clean, yada, 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 yada. Uh, because we had strong and solid relationships with, with people at that level of trust, there were three women who showed up and it was actually quite comical because they literally walked into our house. Uh, actually, there were four women. They showed up in our house and they said, okay, they said to me, they said, we're going to be doing this, okay? And you're not doing this because 
we need to take care of business for you. So one woman who was, uh, she's a uh, uh, God, she's a wonderful woman. Her husband is a, is a cardiac doc. She's a nurse. Uh, she's a, a move mountains kind of person. She said, okay, I am going to take care of all the medical things that come into this house. So you don't have to worry about how medical supplies are going to be delivered. You're not feeding all that stuff. I will do that. You just give me the information. I'll take care of it. So, so the key, the key is somebody stepped in that had control and you could just release exactly. an aspect that was uncontrollable over to right. this person. So then we had someone who took care of one of the ladies took care of everybody who came in and visited. Okay. She was the one who monitored who and how, if Rini was tired or whatever, or we, she needed to have somebody go and have infusions because I couldn't go there and be with them to go sit with her. She took care of all that. We had another woman who took care of organizing all of the meals that came into my house, hundreds of them, you know, that, and making sure that the refrigerator was stocked and things were done. Had another one of the four, the four that her whole world was, she came and cleaned and she brought a team in and cleaned every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And so all of a sudden, just like for you, those things just went like, wow, really? Now, in that was some things I had to adjust to my own thinking, but it didn't take me very long because they were terribly trustworthy people. There was no sense of which they were looking for anything. There was no agenda here, is that they were people that had my back and were covering that. But in the midst of all this chaos, I knew that those four areas, which were massive, were taken care of. I didn't have to guess. I didn't have to call. I didn't have to, you know, say, well, hey, can you really come this week? It was just done. Mm -hmm. So their, their point was, and this is the, to, the, to the person, their point was this. You take care of your kids and your wife, emotionally, parenting, being dad, being husband. We'll take care of everything else. And people go, wow, really? I'm going, yeah, wow, really? But what did that do? It took the angst and all of that chaos that was so uncontrollable. So I was looking at this huge pile, and it pretty much just took the whole pile away. So I could focus on the things that I then could bring some control back into my own life in dealing with the relationship with my kids, my wife, and those kinds of things. So again, it's back to that picture. It's back to that sense of where you have to unload or figure out with someone how to be able to get not, one, not 20, just that one thing. In the chaos to be able to have them sit there and look at you and say, okay, let's talk this through so they can identify. It's not tough. You don't have to have a psych major. You don't have to be a psych major, be a social major. You don't have to have a degree in counseling. It's someone that you trust that knows you that can help you to begin to put real feet on that whole aspect of bringing uh, control and predictability to the situation so chaos subsides. So when I'm working with people, one of the this is kind of an insight when you're not the person in chaos, you have someone else, maybe one of your teenagers or uh, a, your, an elderly parent or or a friend or a neighbor. 
And you want to know if the chaos is beginning to adversely affect them or how are they dealing? How do, how do you know when they perceive that they are in chaos? If you keep in your mind that chaos has two factors, it's unpredictable and it's uncontrollable. So when a person starts diverting to something that's immensely predictable or immensely controllable, you can at least have the suspicion that person's dealing with some chaos. So let me tell you a brief story about that. I've been a pastor for a very long time, and I've walked alongside families as they've had a, a parent, a grandparent, a spouse or a child pass away from illness or from accident or even from suicide. And when that has happened, I was with a family that uh, uh, the husband of the family, they were in their 70s. They, his cancer was advancing. It was clearly going to be time. But I knew from the comments that, that the wife had made, she was not dealing with this very well. And as we approached closer and closer to the moment of death, she was not going to cross that line. Her husband was going to die. She was not going to handle that well. And I was in their home, sitting by the bedside, and his heart stopped beating, and his body began to grow cold. And I said, I think he has passed. And she got up and started dusting her knickknacks. (laughs) she started dusting her knickknacks now you might immediately have an outburst and say what is the matter with you that is the stupidest thing i've ever seen anybody do get over here and hold the husband of your hand chaos is unpredictable and uncontrollable now i cannot climb into the brain or heart of that woman but i can observe She has diverted all of her attention, her eyes, her hands, her focus on getting some dust out from around knickknacks. Very, very detailed. She has to be very careful not to knock them off and to make sure the dust is out. What is that about? It's about control. Control. She cannot control her husband dying. And the moment of it, she can control dusting the knickknacks. So I knew... She is at the overload point. Right. So I did not press on her, come over and hold his hand. Right. I didn't do any of those things. I didn't increase her sense of chaos. I let her focus just for a few minutes on getting the dust away from the knickknacks. When she was done with a couple of shelves, I'm, I'm not making this up. When she was done with a couple of shelves... I said, as a question, are you ready to come over by your husband? And she looked at him, and she looked at me. She gave a big sigh, and she said, I think so. But she didn't move. And I said, it's really okay. If you need to do something else, do that. Right. We'll take some time. She looked at the shelves and she walked over to her husband. There was just enough of that moment of introducing control, something she could control, 
as as strange as that seems, she can control her knickknacks. She put them all there. She right. moves them around. She made sure she dusted every week. She that was something all, yeah. she could control. Right, exactly. And just for a few moments, at the most chaotic split second, it allowed her to breathe a little bit. Right. That's okay. So right. that's one of the ways you can tell. Somebody, some people will divert to something very predictable, right. or they'll supplant the unpredictable moment with something totally unpredictable, right. like buying lottery tickets or driving their right. car like a maniac or right. whatever. What you find is the behaviors they engage in are a way of struggling to deal with either what's not predictable or what's not controllable. Right. And which that come, can be okay. Which comes back as we finish up here today. Oh, we hope this has been helpful. Is the again the two diagnostic questions in that setting, in our setting, in Mike's setting? What is this doing to you, and what are you going to do about it? So we hope that we've given you some insight. No, it's been a little long today, but we're talking about real things again, as Mike said. We're not talking about, I'm all in a flutter because I can't find my wallet and I'm in chaos. We're talking about real life, real difficult emotional kinds of things that you can begin to, from an intrinsic standpoint, have control over. But don't look to try and control it all. It's if you'll take one piece of it and be, begin to get it to be predictable and controllable, you're on, you're on the way. And yeah. have that other person in your life that can help you talk you through that to get that one thread going. I think the biggest challenge in all of that is chaos is we end up, as the chaos continues to grow at any level, our visual, our right brain tends to push us into this picture of a giant mass that has all these elements sticking in it and through it, and it just continues, the snowball just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger as it rolls down the hill, picking up everything in its wake, and we become totally overwhelmed, and that's a problem. But then you have someone at the bottom who will help you pull out that one ski and say, here, we can deal with this. We can put this one ski on, at least we can get down the hill. You know, so today we hope that this has helped you to, as you think about it, as you're gripping reality, you can manage chaos. Just try not to be overwhelmed in that process of managing it. Take the one thing. So, Michael, where can they find us? We're on YouTube, and uh, you can t just Google Gripping Reality, and you'll find there's a couple of songs, but you'll find us. You can send an email to either one of us, Mike at GrippingReality.com, spell Mike with a Y for me, I for Mike Wilson. Uh, we change exchange email anyway, so if you write to either one of us, we're going to get it. We'll be able to deal with your questions, your interest points, even your pushback. Right. So thanks for being with us. We really appreciate you giving us the time. Hope it's going to be a great day for you. Bye.